Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently, and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching your gospel in these critical times in which we live. Lord, I can't do anything without you. I sure need you now. Empower me, anoint me, give me clarity of mind and thought. We pray against satanic distractions. We pray, Lord, that folk will allow the word of God to saturate their hearts, minds, souls, and spirit, and stay focused and document right to allow your spirit to write the word of God in their hearts. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. amen. Have your Bibles. We're going to take up what we left off last time. We want you to turn to 1 John, and we're going to start with 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to deal with that particular verse, and then we will move down and see what God does. The Word of God reads in 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I want to preach and to continue where I left off last Sunday. I want to preach on how to know if I'm genuinely saved. How to know if I'm genuinely saved. What a real question that we need to pose. In light of the troubling times in which we live and the witnessing of wickedness, we're seeing evil at unprecedented levels. We see crime. We see assault and violence and disrespect. We are seeing murder and unrest, a deadly pandemic, and so much more. With all of that going on, and then all that I can't even possibly say, we need to be very, very, very sure that we are saved without a doubt. You can't kind of be saved. Maybe you saved. Hope you saved. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know you know you've been born again. Amen. Beloved, this is no time to be uncertain or insecure about your personal salvation. And only when you are sure of your own soul's salvation can you even lead others to the Lord. You can't lead someone else to the Lord if you don't know the Lord yourself. I would like to share at this time some misconceptions about salvation which have deceived so many. And if you embrace these deceptions from the enemy... If you embrace them, they will damn your own soul to hell. And sadly, so many people who say they're Christians have embraced these diabolical deceptions to their own demise spiritually. Let's look at some misconceptions about salvation so that you'll know without a doubt that you are saved. The first misconception I'd like to give about salvation is a misconception that one can be saved through baptism. 
which is called baptism regeneration. Now, you're not going to be saved through baptism. You can go, go in a dry center and come up a wet center. Uh, baptism is the first act of obedience that believers do after they trust Christ as their personal Savior. Once you have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are to follow your trust and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ with baptism as our Lord has mandated. Now, we are not baptized to be saved. We are baptized because we are saved. That is a tremendous spiritual uh, distinction that you must uh, hold to heart. In Luke chapter 23, verses 42 through 43, it says, Then he said to Jesus, this is a thief dying on the cross in the waning hours of his life. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And look, look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said in verse 43, he said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, in heaven. Now, that thief was on the cross. He was dying for his sins he committed. Two thieves on the cross, they justly uh, were to be there. But Jesus, who knew no sin, was in the center between the two. And Jesus saved a dying sinner who looked to Jesus at the waiting moments of his life and trusted him as the son of God. And he said, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise in heaven. Jesus didn't stop dying and took him off the cross and say, let's go find some water. You know, no, he, he died without being baptized because his circumstances didn't permit him to be baptized. Sometime in some cases, baptism is not possible. A person could receive Christ and on their deathbed. You can't get them off their deathbed and go baptize them. You'll kill them. Uh, or sometimes people... Uh, uh, come to Christ and they're in a desert land uh, in some Sahara desert or some desert where there's very little water. They don't have, uh, they're not by the coast or uh, the Gulf of Mexico and the lakes and all these things. Very little water can be found and they can't get baptized because of, they can't because of, of circumstances. And so we have to understand that baptism doesn't save you, but where there is water and uh, then we ought to be baptized because Jesus has commanded us to do so after we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. You accept Christ first, then you're baptized. With that being said, even though baptism does not save in and of itself, it is commanded by our Lord. That's how important it is. So he said, well, why, why do we baptize? We baptize because Jesus told us to be baptized. This is in the Great Commission. We don't need 15 reasons as to why we should be baptized. If Jesus said, what authority is greater than Jesus's? Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Also be mindful that Jesus himself was baptized. If we're going to emulate and follow him, we're baptized because Jesus himself was baptized, which was also affirmed by God the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I, I need to be baptized by you. I, I don't need to be baptized. Hey, you need to be baptizing me, Jesus. <laughs> and are you coming to me, the Son of God, the Lamb who came to take away the sins of the world? I, I don't need to be baptizing you. You God. You need to be baptizing me. 
I like what Jesus said. Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Wow, Jesus was baptized in obedience to the Father's will. Verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water. See, he came, he went down and he came up out of the water. He wasn't just sprinkled. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. The Holy Spirit's presence was there. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here you see the triune Godhead participating in this baptismal experience of our Lord. Jesus, the son of God, being baptized, the Holy Spirit descend in the form of a dove, alighting on him, which means he's being anointed by God himself. And the voice of God who says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What validation of baptism as we can see in this particular passage. Secondly, a misconception, another misconception is that one is saved through church membership is that one is saved through church membership. You can be a member of a church and be just as lost as you can be. Even though church membership does not save in and of itself, believers should be a part of a local assembly after they have become saved because it is biblical as demonstrated in the book of Acts. Again, another misconception is that you have to be saved through church membership. Even though church membership does not save in and of itself, believers should be a part of a a local assembly after they have become saved because it is biblical as demonstrated in the book of Acts, Acts 2, 46 through 47. So continually, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. People were being baptized. People were being saved. Uh, There was a move of God amidst the people of God to the glory of God. And people are putting little emphasis on church membership. People don't, you know why people don't want to be a part of a local church uh, nowadays and don't, they struggle to get to a local church to be a participating part is because they're selfish because they're selfish. Look how quiet it got. Um, they're, they're selfish uh, because when you, you, you have to get here, you got to prepare your kids. You got to give them breakfast. You got to drive here. You got to get them situated for Sunday school. And some of your Sunday schools, I question, the parents don't come to Sunday school. So how do you get the children in Sunday school? Some churches don't have Sunday school at all. It's irrelevant now. But we have teaching ministers here because we believe in a Bible teaching church. Amen. Maranatha's annual math and science camp for 3rd to 12th graders will be held on Saturday, July 31st from 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. This year's focus is careers. Join us for fun, hands-on learning demonstrations, work vehicle parade, and prizes, all for $5 per person. Register on Maranatha's Facebook page. You go to church because the church has value, particularly in the midst of a pandemic. You go to the church because we need to interact with one another. We need to stimulate 
one another's love and good work. We're to encourage one another. The Bible says pray one, one for another. We're to disciple one another. We're, we are held accountable. You just don't do whatever you want to do. We're here to straighten you up, straighten up your confused mind. We're here uh, to have oversight over you so that you can be maximized to the kingdom of God. You have spiritual gifts at the point of salvation that God has endowed you with to be a blessing to the body. And when you're not here serving in, your, in the local assembly, you deny us of being blessed by the gift that God has deposited into you. You see, I have gifts to deposit into you and you have gifts to bless me with. And so you rob me of the gift. Everyone when saved has at least one spiritual gift. Others have two or three. And you're, to, you're blessed to be a blessing. So don't, that, that's playing right into the devil's hand. Usually people go down skid row spiritually when they are detached. When Satan gets you detached from the Lord's church, that's when you go off-centered and no longer remain Christ-centered. Thirdly, another misconception that many believe is that salvation comes from having an allegiance to a particular denomination. Acts 16.31 says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It didn't say be a part of the Baptist denomination, the Methodist denomination, uh, the Catholic denomination, uh, the Presbyterian denomination, Pentecostal, and on and on it goes. I remember uh, years ago, we were doing evangelism on the streets. I was out there, I don't know who I was yoked up with uh, that particular day. And we had badges on because we did outreach ministry through the Sunday school and we had Maranatha, Maranatha Baptist Church we were initially a Baptist church, uh, denominationally, and then we were knocking on doors. When they saw Baptist, they said, oh, I'm not Baptist, I'm Methodist. I'm not Baptist, I'm Catholic. I'm not Baptist, I'm Lutheran. I'm not Baptist. And right in the midst of that experience, the Lord told me, take Baptist out of the name of that church so you can meet more, so that you can win more souls to Christ. So now when you see Maranatha Bible Church, they don't pass us up because we're Baptists or Methodists or Pentecostal. They got to come in here to find out what we're about. How do you fight Bible? Maranatha Bible Church. So you got to come in here. But, but some people that don't like, we're an Asian, we're a denomination. Nothing, it's not that something is wrong with being in a denomination. I, listen, I was saved in a Baptist church. My daddy was in a Baptist church. My mama was in a Baptist church. My daddy was a deacon in a Baptist church. I was called to preach in a Baptist church uh, and, on, and on and on and on and on. So I have nothing against the denomination, but you don't make a God out of them. The Lord said, he didn't say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be a Baptist, or be a, 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 be a Methodist, or, or be a, a Catholic, and all these things. Our primary focus must be on Christ and not denomination affiliations. Number four, another misconception is that one is saved by keeping church religious traditions. Now, this is a big one. Even Jesus was confronted by religious Pharisees and Sadducees. Another misconception is that one is saved by keeping church or religious tradition. In Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophies and empty deceit according to the, the tradition of men, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ. The spirit of tradition, if embraced, can keep people from getting to Christ. Let me just give you just a few traditions that has really caused the church to stumble. It is possible to be more committed to religious tradition than to Christ. 
And you need to write that down. That's the big statement in that whole thing. It is highly possible to be more committed to religious tradition than to the exalted Christ. Uh, some examples of church traditions are the position and arrangement of church furniture. Uh, you know, you, that's why it's a movable pulpit. I don't want a fixed pulpit because I don't want people to idolize this pulpit. Don't touch the pulpit. Children can walk up here and grab me by the, uh, the coattail and get my attention. It's not this. No, this whole, everything in here is sacred. As a matter of fact, you're supposed to be a sacred vessel. If you treated yourself like you treated the furniture, all of us would be holy. <laughs> Sometimes we make a big deal at the pulpit, the big deal. Now, I'm not minimizing making a light of church furniture. We all not mistreat the things of God or mishandle the things of God. But listen, we need to realize that these things are, are to use to accentuate the worship and to help us to just connect and access as needed for the spiritual divine purposes for which they were given to us. Uh, so the arrangement of the pulpit, the furniture, the, how the chairs are arranged and they are too close or they're too far apart. Uh, I like some, uh, this and that. Uh, some folk fight over worship and style of music. Give me old 100s and uh, give me um, a contemporary, give me hymns, give me spirits. I think you ought to have a little all of it to the glory of God. Amen. I like the, I like that old, you know, those old 100s. Matter of fact, I just crank one up to show you what I'm talking about. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. I, I love the Some of y'all looked at me and said, what did you just say? And some of y'all saying, keep it up, Pastor. Keep it up, Pastor. Some of y'all saying, that's too slow for me. That's too slow for me. <laughs> but that's what Grandma was saying when there wasn't no keyboards. It wasn't no drum. It wasn't no microphones. It wasn't no carless this and carless that. They just brought it out with a shout, and folk were shouting on those songs. <laughs> See, that ambush, you weren't expecting that. And some of y'all said, what was that I just spirit? That was called old 100 that the slaves used to sing. <laughs> Good God Almighty. <laughs> Worship and music. You've got to be a tradition, robes and uniforms. you got to be black robes, psychedelic robes. Beautiful. I don't like robes. Some ushers think they can't usher unless they have a uniform on. Uh, uh, got to have a badge. you got to have white gloves. If you don't have gloves, you can't. Like, everything's dirty, you know. But... Uh, uh, Annual day observances. Some churches have all these days. All every other day, every other week, there's an annual day. Time of worship service. Some like early morning. Some like 
8 o'clock, some like 10.50, some like 12 because they sleep late. You know, they're too busy on Saturday nights, you know. Um, and then uh, committee-driven decision-making. Some churches is made up a ton of committees. Committees for this, a committee for that, committee. I'm so glad that God so loved the world that he didn't send a committee <laughs> because we wouldn't get born again. They'd still be fighting over when Jesus is going to be coming, when, when the virgin birth would happen. I'm so glad this church is not weighed down with a lot of committees. These committees got more power <laughs> than God in many senses, you know, to, to say the least. I mean, a committee, a driven decision-making. And you make a decision outside that committee, you got hell on your hands. <laughs> then location of the church facility, the, the location of the church. When a church has sometimes it has to move and this and that, they won't forget. Uh, years ago, we, we moved from Ritterman Plaza all the way up over to here. And that's a good little distance. As a matter of fact, when we're checking out the property here for, with the realtor, the realtor kept driving and driving. I said, where are they taking us? And I went out here, and then all of a sudden, we saw this property, raw land. I think the only thing was out here was Randolph Air Force Base, uh, Justin High School. Uh, we had the, the boys' home next door and um, the gas station. And just, just a few things in a narrow road, two-lane road with this property, beautiful property, 34 acres. And God blessed us. Deacons got a band of deacons. We all went out here and saw that this was it. And so we purchased 34 acres of land for $200,000. And now if we just sell just a, a, a small one acre of it, it, it it's over a million dollars just for just a small portion. I mean, the land has just escalated in value. And I'm so glad God gave us the foresight. We weren't so committed driven that we're still fighting from 20 years ago over whether we, you can miss your blessing arguing. <laughs> Another misconception is that one is saved by doing good works. One is saved by doing good works. Ephesians 2.89 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Beloved, you do not work to be saved. You work because you are saved. You don't usher. You don't sing in a praise team, a choir, media ministry, video ministry to be saved. You work because God has arrested you, because you've had a life transformation on the inside, you serve the true and living God. Number six, a common error is to believe that you are saved because of being brought up in a Christian family. You ask people, are they saved? They say, my mama was saved, my daddy was saved, my brother was saved, my grandma was saved, and they think that saves them. You see, beloved, salvation is non-transferable. Okay? Salvation is non-transferable. You are not saved because your parents or siblings are saved. What they, they say, that makes me say, oh, no. You must have your own personal born-again experience. You must have your own personal born-again experience. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you... Not everybody else. If you, not, not your mom and daddy, if you, not your grandma, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. See, it's personalized. You can't be saved on mama's salvation. You got to have your own. You must be born again. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth a confession is made to salvation. Number seven, another fallacy is universalism. Universalism, which teaches that everyone is going to heaven because God is so loving 
that he will not punish anyone. That's a fallacy. That's a damnable lie straight from the pits of hell. Universalism is very dangerous and damnable. It teaches that everyone is ultimately going to heaven because God is so loving that he will not punish anyone. I beg to differ with you with the scriptures because 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I don't see any universalism in this text, and there are many more just like it. Number eight, another deception is that man is inherently good and therefore needs no salvation. Wow, now you know that's a doozy. Another deception is that man is inherently good and therefore does not need uh, salvation. Beloved, nothing can be further from the truth. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans 3, 10 through 11 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. If you case you think you that one, no, not one. No, no, no. That includes you and me. No. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are depraved. We, we, we're born estranged from God. We were born spiritually dead without the life of God in the soul. Until we get saved and born again, only then can we rejoice in the God of our salvation. The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word. For his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.